Hi, welcome to Pentecost Today USA. I'm your host, Steve Mancini, and with me is the Executive Director of Pentecost Today, Alicia Hartle. It's good to be here, Steve. Thank you, Alicia. Um, obviously, we have a very special guest today, and we want to thank everyone for joining us. This is our very first episode, so we're very excited to do that. I also want to give a, a, a special thank you to Joe Hale. He is our uh, senior engineer and our production guy, and he's the person making this all happen. So thank you very much, Joe, for that. Um, but as always, before we begin, uh, I, I'm going to continue to say this, that everything we do ultimately should be about bringing people closer to God. Everything we do is a gift of the Lord that we're able to do these things. Um, all you've got to do is look around the world and see that not everyone can sit in a studio comfortably and, and film a podcast. So we want to thank the Lord and, you know, to dedicate this to him, I want to start it off right. So Alicia, if you could please, let's start it off with a prayer. Excellent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We magnify you for the precious gift of this podcast, for every single person who is listening and with us right now. And Father, we exalt you, we magnify you, we praise you for the work of the Holy Spirit in the past, in the present, and all Holy Spirit that you are calling us into in the future. And even now, Lord Jesus, we proclaim your Lordship and we profess you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we ask that you would send your spirit now to fall afresh on us, all who are listening, and especially our guest today, Father Boniface Hicks. We pray all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alicia. Now, uh, Father Boniface, first of all, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule. I know we all know you're a pretty busy person. Um, so again, to spend time with us, it's greatly appreciated. Now, I want to start with a funny thing. Before we, you know, we started recording, um, I jokingly said, oh, Boniface. So we kind of said, uh, what, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what's your nationality? I, it's just a fun way to start this off. Well, I'm uh, mostly German, actually. Okay, my, so it's not my mother was, uh, <laughs> No. Boniface is my religious name. And actually, uh, it's it, named after the apostle to the Germans. Uh, so, and, and also our own founder here at St. Vincent, Boniface Wimmer. So... No, it's a lot of German, a lot of German going on. Very good. Uh, it's funny because I, I just I just so bad wanted to say Bonavace, but no, that's good. Uh, obviously, um, this kind of gets us started then. Uh, before we, we talk about the you know, whole premise of the show, and then the organization is about baptism and the Holy Spirit. But, uh, you know, we want to introduce our guests because a lot of folks have heard of you, have seen you out there speaking. Um, we're going to talk about your book here in a little bit that you've written. And, you know, we want to introduce them. But first, can you give me give us a little bit more of your background, where you're from originally, and, and before we kind of jump into the to the spiritual side of your life? Yeah, thanks, Steve. My uh, background is uh, a little bit all over the place. My dad was in the Navy, so I grew up on the East Coast and the West Coast. Uh, my parents really grew up without religion, and so my brother and I were also raised without religion. So by the time I went to Penn State as a college student uh, in 1993, I guess, I was uh, unbaptized still and, and basically an atheist. So that's a little bit of my, my personal background. I've been in Pennsylvania now for 30 years, since 1993, and I feel pretty Pennsylvanian. My dad grew up in Pennsylvania, so I had a lot of Pennsylvania roots and uh, feel pretty comfortable here. But I didn't grow up as a Catholic, so that's, uh, that's become native territory, but it didn't start out that way. You know, if I can, I want to make one comment, which I tell you what's interesting. 
And this is just a, a gentle observation that I've noticed. So I, 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 you know, I watch like EWTN and listen to a lot of Catholic speakers. And just what I have found is, and I don't know if I'm crazy to say this, but I have seen a lot of people that have converted later in life seem to have a deeper faith. I'm not saying the people that, have, that are cradled, you know, started out as Catholics, but I did not know that about you. So that is, that is actually a very good uh, little little tidbit because, you know, I look at some of the, the more famous kind of, um, you know, apologists and they were all, a lot of them were either not Catholic, you know, atheist, and then later on they have this something happens and they convert and they are like, tell Alicia, you know, they're both feed into it. So very interesting uh, a start to life. Uh, Alicia? Yeah, Father Boniface, thank you for sharing some of your background. You know, I think it's always exciting for everyone who's listening to kind of hear the roots of your journey, the beginnings. Um, but we would love to hear about your experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit and um, just what that looked like for you. If I can respond to uh, what Steve said about adult converts to the faith, I, I actually would make a, an adjustment uh, related to your question, Alicia, which is, I would say that the common denominator is not so much adults, um, you know, becoming Catholic, but it's the common denominator is baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I think uh, those who become Catholics as adults have experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit, to say it simply. Um, and then uh, among those who have grown up in the faith, some have and some haven't, and so we don't make the immediate identification. But obviously there are many cradle Catholics who are very engaged, inspiring people, certainly for me, uh, and, and I would say that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is really the, the critical difference. It's a, a personal appropriation of the grace of baptism. For me, that happened to go a little bit closer together. I was baptized sacramentally at age 21, and uh, really that whole experience of conversion, you might say there were some uh, layers of baptism in the Spirit, the subjective experience of that objective grace of baptism, that personal appropriation of the, the call to discipleship and the grace of salvation. So uh, in, in terms of uh, what I would say was really my personal encounter with Christ, I, uh, I came to know Him and, and to trust. I made a, a first surrender in faith as a result of a total stranger who came up to me on campus at Penn State and invited me to study the Bible with him one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, through the course of nine months of one-on-one uh, -on -one Bible study, through the personal witness of this man who is very humble and authentic, I came to the point, especially reading the prologue of John, that I had a deep conviction. There was really a grace there that I, I would say, uh, at, I've thought, this, this is the, the direction. So I made a real conscious decision. I'm going to jump in and become Christian. I'm going to live a Christian life. Uh, so... I, I would say it was sort of like a, a partial <laughs> baptism in the Spirit, because I didn't have a—it it didn't lead to a personal relationship. I, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't understand that you could have a relationship with God at a personal level. But I was convicted that there was truth here, and that this was a way that I wanted to walk. And so my discipleship was uh, a, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, generalized, I suppose— um, that led about a year later to studying, and uh, I, I didn't become, anyway, there's several chapters I could go into, but I, I did a study abroad in Germany, and that experience led me to a place of, of encountering my personal limitations. I just was 
the Lord let me be stretched just a couple steps beyond what I was really felt like I could handle. And for the first time in my life, I cried out to God for help. And it was in the wake of that experience. He provided for me in some concrete ways that I can't explain other than to say that it was uh, miraculous, nothing uh, that you'd write to Rome about, but just things that were personal signal graces for me that I, I knew I hadn't provided for myself. And and then in the wake of that experience, I, I for the first time, uh, recognized the, that still small voice in my heart as the voice of God. And that, that really began a personal relationship. And in a way, I would say that was a, that was a, a real experience of, of baptism in the Spirit, a personal appropriation of faith that, uh, that opened up a personal relationship with God. And so that, that actually preceded uh, sacramental baptism. I, I then came back to Penn State after that uh, profoundly transformative. It was really when I started thinking about a religious vocation. Scripture opened up for me in a, in a brighter way. I entered into relationships with others with the Holy Spirit. I didn't have all the vocabulary for that, but that's really what was happening. I had uh, some, there was wisdom that was flowing in my kind of counseling, my my, uh, guidance of other people, accompaniment of other people. My own, I had a hunger for prayer and was really drawn uh, more and more to daily scripture reading, daily prayer, more personal prayer, talking to God all the time. Uh, And I was already at that point going to Mass. I wasn't receiving communion, obviously, but was going to Mass regularly and just had uh, so much more hunger for, for the Lord that opened up in that experience. So all of that led me back to eventually my senior year at Penn State. I, I went into RCIA. I was uh, sacramentally baptized. And then the, the context, so the, the real concrete introduction to the charismatic renewal happened then in, in that year. Uh, some of the catechists in RCIA at Penn State, uh, I think all of the catechists, to be honest, were also involved in the charismatic prayer group, the Bread of Life prayer group, and then there was a monthly kind of festival of praise. And uh, I remember going to that for the first time and, and then experiencing uh, prayer in tongues, people prophesying, uh, words of knowledge. And uh, I remember thinking, like, well, this is different. But I was I was so opened up. I mean, all of these experiences of faith had just moved me into a place that I, I was really open. And then these catechists in RCIA, the students, uh, student catechists, were tremendous people that I really trusted. And so I didn't even have any hesitations, to be honest. I thought, this is legit. The, the campus minister, uh, one of our Benedictines was there, these other uh, catechists, and okay, well, this is a thing. So just very open to it. And uh, and then it was shortly after my, my sacramental baptism, receiving the sacraments of initiation at the Easter Vigil in 1997, that uh, I got together with the campus minister there at Penn State, and we uh, uh, spent a little time in the afternoon together, and then he, he offered to pray over me and I was just, again, very open, and uh, that was the first time that I also prayed in tongues, uh, mimicking his prayer in tongues to a certain degree, and then that really taking its own paths in my own prayer. And I remember very much also the the sort of drunkenness in the Spirit, a drunkenness that I associate also with a lot of vulnerability. I mean, I really went way out of my my control, my comfort zone, in order to just enter into this kind of prayer and— it was really a tremendous experience. I remember, uh, similar to that first time I professed my faith in Jesus, 
and uh, and that experience of hearing his voice, that experience of of praying in tongues and and receiving that more explicitly offered baptism in the spirit was was there on the same kind of the same plane. Um, so so that's that opened up into to lots of other things and continued growth and in the gifts and understanding them theologically and reaching into the tradition and a lot of other things that flowed from that. Let me ask you though, and I'm curious because when most Catholics, and I grew up Catholic, I went to Catholic school, K through 12. Um, I'd never heard of any of these movements, any of these things. And again, for whatever reason, I've been to a lot of parishes. By the way, it's funny you say your dad was in the Navy. I was in the Navy. I used to go to church overseas, but it was always more of a, um, it was more of an obligation. It's that Catholic guilt that you often hear. I got to go to church, or I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to a church. And you don't, and it's it's almost a life of desolation. You're doing it out of obligation, out of fear. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, do you still have that desolation in prayer, or is it like, no, no, no? Once you've experienced this, you never go back to the way you've prayed before. There is no consolation, desolation. I mean, it's just always there. How does that work at that point? Um, well, I, we, man, <laughs> when I hear the word, when I hear the word desolation, I'm always thinking in Ignatian terms. Right. Um, you know, what you're describing as uh, sort of doing things out of obligation or a sort of dryness, losing a purpose, even in that, we're always going steadily deeper. I, I'm the director of spiritual formation for St. Vincent Seminary, so I, I uh, set the spiritual formation for a lot of diocesan as well as Benedictine seminarians. And I like to say to them that growth in the spiritual life is along a path of try, fail, surrender. <laughs> so that desolation is part of that experience of a failure. We run into our own limits, and and we, and that that also includes uh, the the limits of what I can produce in myself. So. You know, the stepping out into praying in tongues for the first time was really vulnerable for me, really out of my comfort zone. It's not anymore, you know, so uh, it's not going to have the same impact on me emotionally as it had the first time, and yet it develops a deeper quality. So it's always leading things deeper, and if I try to cling to a, an old experience, an old emotional experience or an old experience of uh, control, then uh, that's going to become dry and desolate, in a way that's going to uh, put make a decision point. Am I going to go deeper, or am I going to try to cling to things that are in my own control? And so I think we're always being led into that deeper surrender. And what what do you tell what do you tell folks that are and, I, and I'm and I'm in this boat. So this is more of a selfish question. But what do you tell those folks that are trying to go deeper? And I and I suspect I'm not alone in that. That aren't getting that. I want to call them charisms. Uh, I'm not getting them, or they're they're not getting them, and you're you're praying your intent. You're like, come on, Lord, give it to me, give it to me, and it's not happening. How how do some people get that, and some people do not get that, or is it everybody gets it? You're keeping up a block, whether you know it or not. Well, uh, one thing that was sort of implicit in what I shared about my own story, but it's worth making it explicit because of your question is, uh, you know, the pathway of growth is a pathway of vulnerability. And as I said, of surrender. And uh, sometimes what's happening is is there's uh, an unwillingness to let go and to let God be in charge. There's an unwillingness to enter more vulnerably into relationship with others. And uh, and that happens for a variety of reasons. I don't want to say that in a way that leaves some people feeling ashamed that they're not doing it better. That's not the point. It's because it's a matter of trust. And trusting God opens up 
together hand in hand with trust in other people. And a lot of people have been very hurt. But there may be different reasons that we're trying to cling to a security that's in our own control. And that, that path of, uh, of healing, opening trust, deeper surrender is, uh, is also going to be the path of growth in, in prayer. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just to respond, I think, to Steve's question, there, I grew up in a family where baptism in the Holy Spirit had first touched our family back in the 1920s with my great-grandmother, who was an Italian immigrant, you know, going way back. I was surrounded by aunts, uncles. I knew there was something parents, I liked about you. Grandparents. Well, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone who I looked up to, loved, knew, they all prayed in tongues, you know, and, and the charismatic gifts were kind of part of life in the spirit within our Christian Catholic walk with God. However, I did not receive deeply until I grew in understanding and, and met Father Boniface and, <laughs> and the fraternity of priests and many, many others, covenant community members, um, people who had a strong formation and then also entered into prayer meetings, similar to Father Boniface's experience. You know, there, there's that invitation to come into uh, a group where people are really cultivating life in the spirit and open to receiving the charismatic gifts that, that is helpful um, in that receiving. So, Father Boniface, I don't know if you want to say anything further about that, but we have a few more questions for you. So, But yeah, I, I definitely, formation and understanding for me was pivotal to be able to receive. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's beautifully said. And, and I think it's always going deeper. Experiences, habits, and knowledge always have a kind of interplay with each other. A knowledge isn't enough on its own. Habits aren't enough mm -hmm. on their own. Experience isn't enough on its own. But the, the mutual interplay of all three of those is really a way that we keep growing. So mm -hmm. um, I think there tends to be, after an experience, a hunger for more knowledge, as, as uh, you described, partially, Alicia, and, and, uh, and then also a need to bring these things into a regular uh, practice and, and habits. So, so all of that flows together in our spiritual life. Throughout the history of the church, there have always been instances where people have received the charisms, but it seemed like later in the church's history, that became the exception instead of the norm. So the first few hundred years, it was expected that you received these charisms. It was expected you were healing, you were speaking tongues, you were, you know, you were prophesying. This was the norm. So at some point along the way, the church sort of got away that that was the norm. Now, with that being said, we're, you know the whole point of Pentecost today in these movements is to like, no, 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 that's not the exception. That should be the norm. So how do you see this movement, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, how do you see it sooner rather than later kind of infecting and being a greater prevalence in the church and the whole the church at large not just in small you know subsets of communities but actually in the whole church yeah well i, I think it goes back to what we were discussing originally you you had a, a notion steve that uh adult converts are sort of better catholics and uh <laughs> i i think that i'm not judgmental fostering... <laughs> no and I, and and so there's some notion of what better means, and uh, there's some measurement that's happening there. And that measurement is uh, really exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, is the, the charismatic way to say that. It's a, a way of operating in a divinization, allowing the, the Lord to move through us. And so uh, it's really part and parcel with evangelization and, and catechesis. Are, are we really bringing people into a personal encounter with Christ in a way that 
we that they really let him change their lives, transform their lives. And so I think that is the surge. That's the whole mission of the church. I mean, that is what we are doing. Uh, how will that spread? I, I think Pentecost today is a, a, such a great gift. And, you know, and, and uh, I really appreciate, um, I believe Mary Healy said, you know, the baptism in the Spirit was not invented by the charismatic renewal. As you said, this was normative, you know, and it's, it's existed throughout the history of the Church. But just like discernment wasn't invented by the Jesuits, um, but there's a particular charism that the charismatic renewal that Pentecost today has in bringing forth baptism in the Spirit. And so I'd like to see that, that process, uh, inviting people to a personal encounter, becoming a natural part of how we live as Catholics, uh, that that's happening in every parish. It's already happening in our seminary, and I know some others, that it's happening uh, all over the Church, that there is a way that people uh, see somebody who is farther along on the path and say, I want more of that. How do I get that? Or somebody who has experienced the baptism in the Spirit saying, this is amazing. I want to share that with you. And I know how to do it because uh, Pentecost today has made it so available for everybody to understand that uh, everybody feels empowered to pray with others for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just kind of want to follow up on something you said, because, and by the way, I'm not I'm not picking on young Catholics. I was a young Catholic. But um, where I'm going with that, though, is I would be curious, because one thing is for sure, and all you've got to do is go to Mass on Sunday. And, and look, the reality is you do not see a lot of young people in church. It's not saying they're not there. I'm just saying I go to several churches, and I look around, and I see a few families, but mostly it's not younger people. So for whatever reason, and I, and I think even the church has probably studied this, you know, you get your kids baptized as an infant, they go to their first communion. Maybe they're going to Catholic school. Maybe they're not. Then they go, they get their confirmation. And let's just say it's CCD. Then a lot of them don't come back. They think, I'm done. I'm good. And they don't come back for whatever reason. But yet, to your point, the one thing that doesn't really get pushed, and listen, I raised all my kids through CCD. So it does not get pushed, that personal relationship with Jesus, because that almost still, for some reason, you talk to traditional Catholics, and they still see that as a Protestant thing. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but I'm saying I still, you know, I have a lot of Protestant friends. We, we have these conversations. And when I talk about, you know, praise and worship people in their hands, they, they look at you like, oh, Catholics don't do that. Like, oh, yes, they do. But, but again, these aren't, these ideas that are normal, just still are not prevalent. And, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that, because I'm wondering if the church says, you know, why don't, why would, can somebody go all the way up, get their confirmation, and still not know that they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or know that they can receive these charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit? I mean, what's, what's missing there, if anything? Yeah, it's a, you know, everybody's pathway is a little bit unique, and uh, obviously I, I wasn't filled with, uh, you know, there's a, certain, there's a certain mentality, the old kind of memorization model was, well, we'll cram their heads full of theology that mm -hmm. they don't understand, and then hopefully we'll light a match later on, and then they'll have all the fuel ready there. And, uh, That's right. and I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a certain point to that. It's not evil, certainly, but uh, there's certainly something missing, especially if we never light the match. You know, in other cases, we think, well, we're going to form some nice relationships and we'll plug them into a community. And eventually there will come a time that we can sort of light the match and uh, that we'll both uh, get them excited about theology and also help them to experience the grace of the Holy Spirit. 
except that we never actually like light the match. And and so I think that the importance of experience and those who are willing to light the match, those who are willing to make an invitation, you know, and I'm here because of that. I, somebody was willing to walk up to a total stranger on campus at Penn State and say, would you study the Bible with me? And later on, he was willing to ask me directly, do you believe in Jesus? And, and that's a thing that we have a hard time doing as Catholics. We have a hard time kind of bringing people to a threshold and then saying, are you willing to take a step over this threshold? Are you willing to take a step in faith? Do you really want more of God in your life? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the real transformation in evangelization is for us, is, is the, the willingness to take that, final, that next step into the unknown, into the vulnerable, into the out of the comfort zone, and to, and to be open to what God can do in our lives, to make that real surrender. Yeah, you know, I, Father Boniface, thank you for sharing. I, I think there is a beautiful zeal, Steve, that, that you just kind of pointed out and, and brought to our attention as, as we talk through baptism, about, talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, excuse me. Um, and it points to the heart of our mission. So our mission is to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the whole church, which really is a movement of the Holy Spirit. When you receive the grace, you can't help but want to share it. You know, it's, and it, it is mm. living waters um, where, yes, we receive, but then we are poured out. And it, it's so beautiful to see we when we adopted the mission to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the whole church, to build unity in the body of Christ, and to serve the poor, both physically and spiritually, which are really the first three pastoral and theological documents captured in the earliest days of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Um, but this threefold mission, it is so awesome to see. We, we ran a survey, um, national survey, inviting people to respond to how is the Holy Spirit inviting us to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the Holy to the whole church? And people responded. Over 15% said, we need to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit and an invitation to life in the Spirit and the charismatic gifts into confirmation classes. So <laughs> I mean, I'd never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I grew up so. a Catholic. I'm a, I'm a regular attending. And it wasn't just a few mm-hmm. years ago that I'd heard of this entire movement. So yeah, yeah, no. There's the message is not out. There that's is for sure, and there's there's a beautiful zeal. I, I can't tell you when I first stepped into serving. Almost every day, I'd, we would be getting calls from people saying, "You know, I want this for my children, for my grandchildren, for my great grandchildren. How do I share the gift of baptism in the Holy Spirit?" And so, Father Boniface, we want to ask you about the Renewal Fellows Program. And before we do that, Father Boniface, I know you referred to some of your background, but we want to share you. You are a Benedictine monk of St. Vincent Abbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. You are the director of spiritual formation for St. Vincent Seminary and the director of the Institute for Ministry Formation and um, also an author. So through the heart of St. Joseph and together with Father Thomas Acklin, a book on spiritual direction, um, all of these graces in this wealth of ministry uh, you bring into the Renewal Fellows Program. So we'd love to just hear from you um, about the project and about the program. I know we, as Pentecost Today USA, we're working with primarily the Institute for Ministry Formation as well as the Ark and the Dove to build the program. Um, but you are you're on the forefront of everything we're doing academically. Oh, yeah, and that's a great joy. I, I think uh, 
it's so important to have the theological depth uh, and also the practical application uh, that's necessary to spread the gift of uh, the baptism in the Spirit. And so um, I'm, I feel very uh, privileged and, and grateful to work with Pentecost today to form a program uh, that I think will be excellent. It has a kind of, well, the, the piece that I'm uh, directly overseeing, I suppose, is the academic side, as you said. Um, academic side uh, in the sense that there are courses and there's a, a renewal leadership certificate that also with some additional courses can uh, become a master's degree that we are uh, facilitating through really through St. Vincent Seminary through the Institute for Ministry Formation. Um, that also includes uh, theological, so patristic, scripture, doctrine, uh, and uh, spiritual theology as well as a practical element in leadership formation and then application in a, in a parish or in an ecclesial setting. So actually bringing the knowledge to uh, practical application and getting the experience of what it's like to lead a Life in the Spirit seminar, to foster gifts, to mentor those who are stepping into the gifts, to discern uh, how the Holy Spirit is moving in a particular place, to apply the gifts and in real settings in the church. And so I, I'm really excited about what's happening. That certificate program will capture those elements. And then working together uh, with, with you, Alicia, and Pentecost today and the Ark and the Dove, uh, we'll be, you'll be opening up a, a fellows program that will let people uh, not only take the courses online and apply them in their local setting, which is what they'll be able to do, uh, through the Institute for Ministry Formation, just the certificate program. But the Renewal Fellows Program will expand that with a, an opportunity to move at, at first to Pittsburgh and maybe to other places in the future, to live together with others who are carrying out this work, to be helped in finding those applications for uh, uh, applying the, the knowledge that's, uh, that's being and, and experience that's being received through the formation program, and also working with the Ark and the Dove for the kind of charismatic uh, leadership and, and uh, uh, skills formation and uh, personal formation that will, will help to make a new generation of renewal leaders. And kind of going back into Steve's comment, where are the young people? Uh, you know, and that's a, I think that's a good, good challenge. Well, where are the young leaders? And uh, then where there are young leaders, where is their formation? And uh, the answer is the Renewal Leaders Program that uh, we're, we're all launching together here. So I think it will be a, a great avenue for forming a next generation of uh, leadership in, in uh, renewal. So really renewing the church, renewing the church's response to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we used to say, we call that train the trainer. So you train these leaders, and then they go out, and then exactly. they can, you know, just keep just keep rotating it out. Um, before we let you go, though, because we are kind of running towards the end, I want to ask you a question. We're coming up, a uh, big event coming up in Kansas City in October. I'll be there. You'll be there. Father Boniface will be there. Let's talk about Jesus 2023. Uh, give me a little background. What you're gonna obviously you're gonna be there. Um, yes. Let's talk about that so program. So Father Boniface is actually giving a keynote on Saturday night, and. And praying for the grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit, if people have received before, for a renewal of that grace, if they have never received before, for for really a deep surrender and receiving. Um, and leading up to that moment, we are doing street evangelization 
And so Father Boniface, it would be again another. Sorry, that's another thing that Catholics don't usually do. So that's a good. That's good. It's uh, the whole weekend is kind of this. So the theme is drink of one spirit, and so it's this arc of Ralph Martin opening the conference with the body of my son is broken, and then moving into a penance and healing service. And then, and then in the morning, really going deep into what is community, what is unity, what does it look like to be a member of the body of Christ, and then in the afternoon, entering into prophetic intercession and worship, as well as a street evangelization workshop. And our prayer for that is not that not only for the time in camp, excuse me, not only for the time in Kansas City to be a time of going out into the streets together, but we will be praying for the Lord to equip us that as we go back to our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, that we are going out as evangelists, very aware that it is the Holy Spirit who ultimately is the evangelist and surrendering and relying and looking to the Holy Spirit. But Father Boniface, we'd, we're so humbled to have you there at Jesus 2023 and being a keynote speaker. Um, Anything that you want to share to those who might be thinking about, praying about coming to Jesus 2023? Well, I, you obviously gave all like, so many highlights that I think already should be attractive to people. But um, yeah, there's, there's a power in coming together. And uh, this is the first time that we'll be together because uh, COVID sort of dropped a little bomb right into the midst of uh, the, the preparations uh, several years ago. And there's, there's so much power in being together. Again, it's when they were all together in prayer for those nine days that the beginning of the church with the, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost took place. And when we come all together, uh, so some of us will be speaking, uh, and I'm very humbled to be there with you and with uh, Ralph Martin and so many others. Some of us will be speaking, but that, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we are praying all together. And we'll also have these kinds of activations that we're sending people out. We're uh, applying what we're learning, that we're actually praying with each other, over each other, that this is going to be a real time of, of equipping and application. That's, that's really important. We, we can just sit around and read books if we want. And I love to do that. I have six degrees. I love reading books. But, uh, you know, to actually come together in prayer, in exhortation, in openness to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, as I said experience is really important for consolidating things that have been building up and also important for breaking through into new spaces. And this experience is one that for those who have been in the renewal for a long time, it's going to take you to a new uh, place in your uh, receptivity to the Holy Spirit and, and gifting. For those who are new, it's going to open you up to a new world that you didn't even realize exists. As Steve said many times, Catholics don't do this. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm picking we on the Catholics, and I'm a Catholic. <laughs> well, no, we need more to do it, because I think, I think that's why. And I don't say this in a competitive manner, but I think there's a reason, and I'll even use some people that I know that were lifelong Catholics that go to these non-denominal ch- churches. I, I, they're... We won't get into the why. I, I think some of the reasons are they're, they're looking to be entertained. But I also think that that dryness and not knowing that that's, you know, dryness is one thing, but it's not about whether you're entertained. It's about a fullness. And, and I hate to say this, but I have seen 
people go to church and be driven away because they didn't like the priest. I mean, that is just a reality. And so that's why the more people that, that not only just go to these events, but understand that this is something bigger. It's bigger than all of us. And, and not, it's just not about checking boxes on a spreadsheet in heaven saying, I was there Sunday, I was there Sunday. I was there at least 49 minutes. That counts as a 10. It's, that is not what it's about. And I'm really looking forward to these uh, events because this will be one of my first ones. Um, so I'm looking forward to it because I want to see what does this mean? Because in my opinion, the more I read and learn about this, the more I realize this is what it's about. And you keep saying we're all going to be there where two or more are gathered in my name. Not only are they going to be gathered in your name, but they're going to be gathered in with a purpose. And so I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be very exciting. And anybody that's listening, you know, please go out to the website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. You know, go register if you haven't registered. We're looking forward to seeing you. Um, Alicia, any thoughts? Um, really, we, we, Father Boniface, we just want to thank you for being with us. We're humbled to be working with you. Father Boniface actually serves as a council member with Pentecost Today USA, among all the many other hats he wears. So we're just very humbled. And Father Boniface, if we can close out by inviting you to give a blessing to all of our listeners and to this podcast. Lord mm, Jesus, thank you for the great work that you are doing in the world to transform every heart and to unite every heart with you. Thank you for the privilege of participating in that mission, for the ways that you equip us through your Holy Spirit to extend your life, your love, your truth, your wisdom into the world. Allow Pentecost today and this podcast to be a profound instrument of conversion and deepening faith and draw all of those who are listening, even now, into a deeper surrender to encounter you in a way that they never have before, to see you face to face, to hear your voice, to respond to your love, and to give their yes to participating in your mission to share your love with the whole world send down your Holy Spirit upon all of us. And through the intercession of Our Lady and St. Joseph, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. We want to thank everyone for tuning in, and uh, we appreciate it, and we're going to have more coming. So again, thank you very much. And if you want more information, again, that's PentecostTodayUSA.org.